0: Chapters eleven and twelve of biography of an american bondman by his daughter by josephine brown this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven give me liberty or give me death captain price who became the last purchaser of william was the owner of several steamers and a partner in a firm In st louis engaged in the business of purchasing and shipping produce to the southern states the young slave had been with the prices scarcely three months when the family resolved upon a visit to new orleans and it was settled that william should accompany them as a servant in due time captain price with his wife and daughter attended by their new chattel set out on their journey in one of the captain's boats the steamer chester the boat instead of returning to st louis took in a cargo at new orleans for cincinnati and the captain and his family concluded to extend their visit to the latter place it was the middle of december when the boat left new orleans with a large number of passengers and a heavy load of freight the prices had some fears about bringing the slave to the frontiers of the free states and mrs price sounded william to see if he had any thoughts about freedom as a matter of course the young slave expressed a wish to return to st louis as soon as possible and seemed to dislike the idea of going to a free state well pleased with his seeming indifference about liberty and not being able to dispense with his services the family determined to take william to cincinnati with them in due time the boat arrived at the place of her destination landed her passengers and discharged her cargo twenty years ago there was little or no anti-slavery feeling in the southern part of the state of ohio few persons thought it wrong to catch a runaway slave and return him to his master and a fugitive ran as much risk in attempting to escape through the buckeye state at that time as he would in the adjoining state of kentucky william however had resolved to make the attempt without any regard to consequences in his published narrative he says during the last night that i served in slavery i did not close my eyes a single moment in sleep when not thinking of the future my mind dwelt on the past the thought of a dear mother and an affectionate sister and three brothers yet living under the dominion of whips and scourges caused me to shed many tears If I could have been assured that they were dead, I should have felt satisfied. But I imagined I saw my mother in the cotton field, followed by the merciless taskmaster. I thought of the probability of my sister and brother's being in the hands of negro drivers or speculators, subjected to all the cruelties that the hateful institution allows them to inflict and these thoughts made me feel very sad indeed at last the trying moment came it was the first day of january eighteen thirty four when without a shilling in his pocket and no friend to advise him william quitted his master's boat and taking the north star for his guide started for canada during fifteen nights did this half-clad half starved fugitive urge his weary limbs to carry him on towards a land of freedom with regard to these eventful days mr brown says in his narrative supposing every person to be my enemy i was afraid to appeal to any one even for a little food to keep body and soul together as i pressed forward my escape to canada appeared certain and this feeling gave me a light heart for behind i left the whips and chains before me were sweet freedom's plains while on my journey at night and passing farms i would seek a corn-crib and supply myself with some of its contents the next day while buried in the forest i would make a fire and roast my corn and drink from the nearest stream one night while in search of corn i came upon what i supposed to be a hill of potatoes buried in the ground for want of a cellar i obtained a sharp-pointed piece of wood with which i dug away for more than an hour and on gaining the hidden treasure found it to be turnips however i did not dig for nothing after supplying myself with about half a dozen of the turnips i again resumed my journey this uncooked food was indeed a great luxury and gave strength to my fatigued limbs the weather was very cold so cold that it drove me one night into a barn where i laid in the hay until morning a storm overtook me when about a week out the rain fell in torrents and froze as it came down my clothes became stiff with ice here again i took shelter in a barn and walked about to keep from freezing nothing but the fear of being arrested and returned to slavery prevented me at this time seeking shelter in some dwelling even when in this forlorn condition i would occasionally find myself repeating i'll be free i'll be free and none shall confine with fetters and chains this free spirit of mine from my youth have i vowed in my god to rely and despite the oppressor gain freedom or die dreary were the hours that i spent while escaping from america's greatest evil chapter eleven chapter twelve o then be kind whoever thou art that breathest mortal breath and it shall brighten all thy life and gild the veil of death so fearful are the tyrants at the south that their victims will recognize themselves as men that they will not permit them to have a double name jim peter henry etc etc is all a slave is known by the subject of this memoir was not an exception to this rule when william was six or seven years old dr young having no children of his own adopted a nephew a son of his brother benjamin this boy's name was william also and not wishing to have the two names confounded orders were given that the coloured nephew's name should be changed and accordingly he was afterwards called sanford this name william always disliked and resolved that he would retake his former name should he succeed in escaping to canada after having been fifteen days on his journey and having passed three days without food and withal suffering much from illness william determined to seek shelter and protection for this purpose says he i placed myself behind some fallen trees near the main road hoping to see some colored person thinking i should be more safe under the care of one of my own colour several farmers with their teams passed but the appearance of each one frightened me out of the idea of asking for assistance after lying on the ground for some time with my sore frost-bitten feet benumbed with cold i saw an old white-haired man dressed in a suit of drab with a broad-brimmed hat walking along leading a horse the man was evidently walking for exercise i came out from my hiding-place and told the stranger i must die unless i obtained some assistance a moment's conversation satisfied the old man that i was one of the oppressed fleeing from the house of bondage from the difficulty with which i walked the shivering of my limbs and the trembling of my voice he became convinced that i had been among thieves and he acted the part of the good samaritan This was the first person I had ever seen of the religious sect called Quakers. At the farmhouse of this good man, where many a poor fugitive slave had before found a resting-place for his jaded feet, William was treated with the kindest care until he was so far recovered as to resume his journey. The members of no religious society are more noted for their good works than the friends. They are distinguished for the kindness with which they always receive the runaway slaves having many years ago as a religious society condemned slavery and disfellowshipped slaveholders they occupy a position before the world that few other sectarian bodies can claim never before having met with whites to sympathize with him and treat him as a man william was overwhelmed with surprise at the interest the quaker and his family took in him how softly on the bruised heart a word of kindness falls and to the dry and parched soul the moistening teardrop calls when once more in a situation to travel the good people began to fit out the fugitive with clothes so that he would be in a better condition to reach the other side of jordan the quaker's name was wells brown and finding that his guest had but one name he gave the fugitive his name as well as a covering for his body so when the runaway quitted the quaker settlement he left under the name of william wells brown chapter twelve